What is going on, wellness gang? Welcome back to Embodied Wellness Radio, a podcast framed around making women healthy again. Today, I'm going to chat with you a little bit about three simple nutrition strategies to help you feel good. I know on this podcast, we talk a lot about some pretty fancy, sciencey kind of things, and so I thought it would be really helpful and useful to bring it back to basics of a few foundational things that you can start to implement throughout your day to really improve your nutrition and just to help you feel better. And these are not necessarily only for beginners. These are for everyone. Some of these things I'm still constantly working on every single day day and these really are such foundational pieces to move the needle forward with your nutrition and to help you find balance with your food and the way that you feel throughout the day. So the first strategy is having balanced meals and we hear this word all of the time right all over social media like find balance just make sure you're balancing x y and z and the reality is that many of us don't really know what that means what that feels like or what that looks like. So when we're talking about a balanced meal, we're looking at what actually makes up that meal. So we have something in nutrition called macronutrients, and these are the three big categories that food gets broken down into. So the first one would be protein, the second is carbohydrates, and the third is fat. And we also have some other important things to consider like micronutrients, which are things like vitamins and minerals. And we also have the discussion around fiber. But to keep things really simple, when we're talking about a balanced meal, we want to have what we call the big four. And these are all three macronutrients. So protein, carbs, fats, and then fiber would be number four. So the big four, the three macros plus fiber. So let's talk a little bit about what each of those looks like. So some examples of protein would be animal sources. So these are things like eggs, chicken, chicken thighs, steak, salmon, ground beef, turkey, all of the traditional sources that you would think of and find in the supermarket under the meat section. There's also vegan and vegetarian sources of protein. However, most of these are typically protein plus another macronutrient. So for example, tofu is protein, but it also has a little bit of fats. Um, Sometimes people give examples of beans being a source of protein, but these also come with carbohydrates. So the most straight sources of protein you're going to get are animal-based sources. This doesn't mean that they're better or worse, but just to keep things really simple, when we're talking about protein, we are talking about anything that has a higher ratio of protein as a macronutrient compared to the other two. So when we're looking at a balanced meal, everybody's needs are a little bit different, right? So somebody who might be doing really intense strength training and is in their mid-20s might need a little bit more protein per meal than somebody who is in their 60s who just does walking around and Pilates, right? So the actual amount per sitting is going to be different based off of each individual need. And we'll talk a little bit about how to find out what's right for you when we talk about the second guideline. The next macronutrient we have is carbohydrates, and carbs are very, very important, especially as a female. So if you listen to our podcast on nutritional supports for stress, you'll know that when we eat carbohydrates, it actually increases our serotonin, and this is our feel-good neurotransmitter. So you know how they always joke about on social media, people who don't eat carbs and they're just grumpy and in a bad mood all the time? This is actually 
kind of true <laughs> some of the time. So carbs are really important for the way that we feel. They also are a great source of energy and fuel for our body. For females especially, they're super important for supporting healthy progesterone levels and thyroid functioning. And so we do need carbohydrates, but again, the type and the amount are going to vary from person to person. And so You'll probably hear me say this all the time if you follow me on social media, but really it's about finding what works for you, your unique body, and your unique metabolism. So some examples of whole food sources of carbohydrates to think about including at a meal would be things like sweet potatoes, squash, beets, rice, quinoa, oats, fruits, and some starchy vegetables. And these are whole food sources of carbs, meaning when you hear people say all the time, we should focus mainly on eating whole foods. These are the types of carbohydrates you might want to include. There's also some non-whole food sources of carbohydrates, and these would be things that are a little bit more processed, such as bread, cereals, and other things of the sort. Again, neither is necessarily better or worse. However, one of them is a little bit more supportive for your overall health because it also contains a blend of micronutrients and minerals, and those would be the whole food sources of carbs. So when we're talking about amount of carbohydrate per sitting, this is very, very individual because we all have a unique glucose metabolism. This means that our, body all, our bodies all respond a little bit differently to carbohydrate type as well as carbohydrate amount. And we really wanna be focusing on keeping our blood sugar stable, which means not having too much, but also not having too little at one sitting. So if you're just getting into finding a good amount that works for you, the best way to do so is to take note of what you're already doing and then use some of the journaling practices that we talk about in suggestion number two, which is coming up. So when you're starting to think about including carbohydrates in a meal, if you've been eating low carb, you might want to start with some easier to digest sources such as fruit and the whole food sources that I mentioned, like sweet potatoes, for example. And you would want to start with a lower end amount. So maybe thinking about half a cup, see how you feel and slowly start to increase from there. If you've been somebody who might be having a little bit too many carbs for your body or you feel like maybe your meals are primarily carbohydrate based, you can slowly start to peel back. So maybe you focus on eating around the same amount, but switching from a more processed carb to a more whole food type of carb and seeing how you feel and then slowly peeling back if it feels right for you. So again, carbohydrates are very, very individualized. And so we always wanna be checking in with how we feel what works for us, and making sure that if you're starting to make changes to your nutrition, we don't want to do anything too drastic. So if you haven't been eating carbs at all with meals or you've been eating a lot, we want to slowly start to move towards this balance rather than trying to completely 180 what you're doing. The next macronutrient we have are fats. And many of us get enough fats throughout the day because they kind of are tied into a lot of different things. So for example, if I was to have steak, yes, I'm getting protein, but I'm also getting fats there. If I'm eating something like cheese, I'm getting fats in that. And so many of us do get adequate fat overall in a day. However, we do want to be mindful of the type of fats that we're taking in. And this will be a whole podcast in and of itself. So to keep it really simple, when we're thinking of healthy fats, we want to be focusing on fats that are high in omega-3 fatty acids. And these are considered anti-inflammatory. 
So that would be something like having salmon, chia seeds, flax, and then some of the best types of fats are olive oil, which is really high in polyphenols. If you listen to our podcast, you know that we love olive oil in this house. Avocados are another really great source, coconut oil, and really these whole food, nutrient-dense, anti-inflammatory sources of fats. And again, when we're talking about fat amount per sitting, this is very individualized. So really checking in with how you feel and how satiated each meal makes you. Fats are also really great to eat in addition to vegetables because when we're talking about vitamins and minerals, we have different types of vitamins. So some are fat soluble and some are water soluble. So when we have fats plus our vegetables, we're allowing our body to better utilize the fat-soluble vitamins that come along with those vegetables in our body. So including healthy fats with your fiber or with your veggies at a meal is a really great way to help your body absorb all of the beautiful nutrients that you're getting at the meal. So let's chat a little bit about fiber. So we've talked about protein at at a meal, carbohydrates at a meal, healthy fats at a meal. Let's move into fiber. So if you're eating whole food sources of carbohydrates, such as fruits and vegetables, whether those are non-starchy or starchy vegetables, you're also going to get some fiber. And fiber is very important for our overall health, especially our digestive health. It can help to prevent some sorts of cancer. It is very, very helpful for regulating our digestion and it helps you to feel more satiated. So feeling full, more full for longer. Now, fiber is very individual based again, and you'll hear me say this all of the time because we truly are all so different. So some people do better with more fiber. Some people do better with a moderate amount of fiber. And so if somebody has digestive issues such as small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, they might actually feel not as awesome by including more fiber with meals, whereas the general population might feel good with including a little bit more fiber with meals. So when we're looking at the amount of fiber that is right for you, one thing that we want to look for is number one, how full you stay after your meal, which is very important. And number two, looking for any sort of bloating or gas that happens after meals. And there's lots of reasons why this could occur, but having too much fiber in a meal is a really great way to make you a hella farty. So again, to recap a balanced meal, we want to look for the big four, protein, carbs, fats, and fiber. And how we start to tune in the amount that's right for our body is checking in with how we feel after we eat meals, which brings us to the second simple nutrition strategy to help you feel good, which is starting to keep a food journal or a food log for at least a few weeks if you're just getting started on making these changes. So a lot of women that we work with, they'll say, oh, you know, like I typically have a crash in the afternoon or yeah, sometimes my digestion is really off or sometimes I feel crappy and sometimes I feel really good. And many people believe that this is just random, right? Like, oh, sometimes I have good days and other days I feel not so great. But really a big part of that or what's playing a big role in that is the food that you're eating. But we don't necessarily put two and two together if we don't, number one, have the education on how impactful food can be or nutrition can be for or the way that you feel. Or number two, we don't even remember what we ate, right? So it's really important to collect information about what is and isn't working for us so that we can slowly start to fine tune and find our groove and find the balance that works best for us as an individual. 
So this is something I do with every single client when we're first starting to work together. And it doesn't have to be fancy, right? We don't need to use any sort of like macro tracking app or an Excel spreadsheet unless you're super fancy and that floats your boat. It can be just as simple as a piece of pen and paper or your, the notes in your phone because most of us have our phones on us all the time. And essentially what you're going to do is write down what you ate, write down any notes on digestion, and write down how you felt throughout the day. So here would be an example. Today is Sunday, February something. I think it's February the 6th today. <laughs> Sunday, February 6th, I would write down breakfast. I had one egg plus egg whites with broccoli and olive oil. And then if I had any sort of digestive issues come up, like bloating or gas, I would write the time that it happened at. So breakfast might have been at 7 a.m. and I would write 10 a.m., experience some bloating, 11 a.m., bowel movement. If you want to get real fancy and specific, you can write about your bowel movements. If it felt good, if it was solid, you can use the Bristol stool chart. And then you would do the same throughout the rest of the day. I would also write notes like, If I had sugar cravings, I would write notes on my hunger levels throughout the day. And now I have a really, really solid guideline of what I did and how it made me feel. And so once I gather this from clients, or you can do this with yourself as well, we start to go through it and look for patterns. So I might look at four days at a time and go, oh, every single time that I ate broccoli, I experienced bloating after. Hmm. So before I just thought I'm always bloated, but I didn't necessarily put two and two together that every time I eat broccoli is when I get bloated. So for some people, if we aren't looking for these things, they just think, oh, I'm always bloated. And they don't necessarily see that it's something very specific they're doing every single day that is creating the same result, right? So then I would open up the discussion with the client of if the broccoli was cooked or if it was raw and the amount that they're eating and see if that is something that is triggering for them. And this doesn't mean that you can never eat those foods again or that we should be terrified of eating those. It just means that it's you want to know how certain things are affecting you so that you can make empowered choices and decisions, right? And so other things you might look for in a food log are if you have cravings after a meal. So let's say I eat my lunch and I have a vegetarian chili, for example. And then 30 minutes later, I'm really, really craving sweet things. So this could be a few different reasons can, or a few different things can play a role in that, but a really big one is not eating enough protein at meals. And there's actually certain cells in our gut that sense out amino acids, which are what protein break down into, and they're looking for a specific amount and composition to tell us that we are satisfied. And if we don't have that, we're going to start to experience more cravings after meals. So I would think back to my lunch and I would say, oh, did I eat enough protein? Maybe a vegetarian chili didn't actually have a full source of protein. It had beans, which have a little bit. But maybe next time I'll add some ground turkey to the chili and see how I feel. (laughs) And if my clients are listening to this, they're all going to be smiling because I always say, try it out and see how you feel. Because really, like we could have all of the information in the world on nutrition, but we're all so different that it applies in different ways, right? So we really need to use ourselves as an experiment, try things out, see how we feel, do more of the things that make us feel good, and do less of the things that make us feel like shit, right? 
So if I was having cravings after a meal, I would first check in, okay, did I have enough protein? If the answer is yes, the next question is, did I have enough carbs? So what I see a lot of the time in clients is they'll be trying to, let's say, lose weight. So they have a low carb dinner. Two hours later, one hour later, it's they're having nighttime cravings for sweet things. Well, no duh, right? We didn't have enough carbohydrates. Your body's going to tell you you didn't have enough carbohydrates and you're going to seek out carbohydrates. So sugar cravings would be um, typically tied to either under eating protein or carbs at a meal. If I found that I was getting super hungry, like an hour and a half or two hours after a meal, I might want to bump up my protein, my healthy fats, or just make sure that my meal is a little bit larger in general. And we do want to be eating or getting hungry around every three to four hours after meals. Some people take a little bit longer, but if we're getting hungry two hours after a meal, it's typically a sign that something in your meal was a little bit off. So again, this is why writing down what you're eating and how you feel is a really, really great way to start to fine tune things, to find a nutrition strategy and find what works well for you. So with your nutrition log, you can also look at things such as sleep. And these are things that typically people don't put two and two together, how impactful nutrition can be for things like anxiety, sleep, brain fog, and energy levels. But the more that you start to tune in and the more that you start to look for these clues, the more you're going to realize just how impactful nutrition is for your overall health and really like everything else I cannot Y'all know I love talking about nutrition, but I really can't stress this one enough that it is such a big foundation of everything else in the rest of your life and the way that you feel. So if a client is having issues with sleep, I would typically look back at their food log and see if they're eating enough carbohydrates, especially in the evening, which can actually help our body stay asleep. And that would be another clue that we could look for with food journals. So I could really go on forever about just how many things we can look for in food journals. But typically you're going to look for anything that stands out to you. So changes to bowel movements, if you didn't feel good, if you had a headache, any symptoms that pop up. And then look back to what you ate before that or what you didn't eat. And notice if you see any patterns. And then when you identify a pattern that maybe doesn't make you feel so good, Try it out for a few days, right? So let's go back to the broccoli example. If you were always getting bloated after eating broccoli and you took out broccoli for four days and then you weren't getting bloated at that time, probably a good sign that your body isn't digesting that very well at this point in time, maybe in that amount, right? Let's say you were always having sugar cravings after dinner and then you decide, okay, I'm actually going to try to increase my protein, increase my carbohydrates a little bit with my dinner. And then you notice, ah, Sugar cravings are a thing of the past. Sweet. So now you know what to do, right? So we're really just looking for clues, gathering information, and then making adjustments. And even as someone who's been studying nutrition for 10 years, and I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of women, I still go through this with clients because we're all so different. And really information and knowledge means nothing without application. And so finding out what applies to you and how it applies to you is one of the best things we can do to come back to our body and to start trusting ourselves instead of something that you hear Kate say on Instagram or your favorite fitness influencer say on Instagram or even something that you hear me say, right? It might not apply to you and that's okay. And so the more that we start to check in with what we're doing and the more that we start to make these changes, the more empowered we feel to make decisions that really are best for us.
What is up, wellness gang? Coach Denon here. And if you've been listening to Embodied Wellness Radio for a long time, or if you're a first-time listener, thank you so much for being here. One of the big goals that we had when we first started Embodied Wellness Co. is to make sure we started Embodied Wellness Radio, a podcast where we could help to share as much free information as we could to as many people as possible. Because all the way from the beginning, our goals have been to educate, inspire, and overall make women healthy again. And ever since our first episode, we have been growing and we're so happy that every single one of you have joined the wellness gang and are part of the process with us. But we grow best by word of mouth. So if you're listening to this show today and you're loving the information, we would love it if you would share this episode with one friend that you may have or family member who's on a health journey of their own to become the best version of themselves. Or maybe even just share a screenshot on social media of you listening to today's episode or one of your favorite episodes from the past. Tag us and help to spread the word of good health. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And we're so excited to continue bringing you more amazing information, solo sods with Sarah and I, and many of the guests that we've got coming in the future. Now, back to the episode. So I'm going to talk about one more little tidbit that is a simple strategy that will help you feel really good around meals. And this is just another way to bring an extra level of mindfulness to meals. So we talked about having balanced meals with the big four, protein, carbs, fats, and fiber. We talked about keeping a food log and looking back to anything that might stand out for you and making changes. And the third one is meal hygiene. So this is something that a lot of people, especially nowadays, are not the best at. And I'm going to totally call myself out and say I... Most days, a lot of the days, have to really (laughs) give myself a little slap on the wrist to get this one done. And this is eating undistracted. So I have seen clients go from being extremely bloated most of the time, experiencing very poor digestion and indigestion, to having regular bowel movements and being able to digest food really well just from a couple meal hygiene strategies that we implemented. So you've probably heard this a lot, especially when we were in high school about the nervous system and there's fight or flight. And the other one is called rest and digest. So a lot of us live a big portion of our day in this fight or flight response, right? Like life's pretty stressful, especially nowadays. We've all got jobs. We're in the middle of a I'm not going to say it in case we get censored, but a lot of us are under chronic stress, right? And so if we go to sit down to have a meal and we're in this fight or flight mode, our body is not sending digestive resources to our stomach. Our body is not like, hey, we should probably digest some food right now, right? Because your body doesn't know the difference between getting chased by a bear or your boss hunting you down for a deadline. And so really bringing our body into this parasympathetic state, this rest and digest mode can have a profound impact on number one, our ability to digest and absorb the nutrients from our food, as well as number two, which is our ability to actually feel emotionally and mentally satisfied by our meals because we were present with it. And so before you sit down to eat or when you sit down, just pausing for a moment and taking four deep deep belly breath. So if you've ever done yoga, this is the breathing they do called pranayama breath. And it's, or if you've ever done any sort of meditation practice, sometimes they call it box breathing. And so really it's this deep inhale that lasts for about a count of four. You hold the breath at the top and then a slow four second release of the breath with a little pause at the bottom. 
And this just really helps to ground us and to recenter us and to bring our nervous system into this relaxed state. And it's called rest and digest for a reason, right? When we're chill, our body's like, you know what? We could probably digest some food right now. And so it starts to send these resources to our digestive system, which really helps with our ability to break down and absorb the food. It can help a lot with digestion because digestion actually begins in your brain. (laughs) So there's something called the cephalic phase of digestion. And this is where we start to take in the food with our senses. So you know when you hear somebody talking about a meal and they're having like a really juicy peach or a piece of sourdough toast covered in melted butter or somebody's talking about their mac and cheese and they're describing the stretch of the cheese, whatever makes your mouth water, that's cephalic digestion. Your body is thinking about food, it's perceiving food, and it's starting to prepare to digest that food. You know, when you smell something that's really delicious, somebody's cooking something and your mouth starts to water, that's the cephalic phase of digestion. And it really is an important part of our body's ability to break down food. So if I'm just running from getting my food from the fridge, talking on my phone, and I sit down and I just start eating without even looking at my food, I'm shocking my body. My body's like, sister, I thought you were scrolling on Instagram. (laughs) What is this piece of chicken doing in my mouth, girl? Right? So we really need to prepare our body to take in the food. And it also prepares our mind to take in the food because emotional satisfaction is another big factor of nutrition. If I eat a meal and I'm not emotionally satisfied, I'm probably going to have more cravings after. If I eat a meal and I didn't even realize that I was finishing my meal because I was looking at something else and then all of a sudden I look down at my plate and I'm like, the hell did that go? (laughs) I probably won't be as satisfied by my meal, right? So being present at your meal is such an important and overlooked part of nutrition in general, especially digestion and meal satisfaction. So once you sit down and you have your four breaths, you can take a look at your meal. Maybe you want to think to yourself or just notice a couple things about it. Maybe it's the smell, maybe what you see. Um, If it feels aligned for you, maybe you say a little prayer or just express gratitude for the meal and then start to eat the meal while taking in the different senses. So what does it taste like? What does it smell like, right? What are you experiencing when you have this meal? Can you slow down? See you next time, wellness gang. I'm going to call myself out again and say, that's something I constantly have to check myself with. And this is really how we optimize our meal experience again for the mental aspect and also for the physical aspect of taking in that food. And this strategy is really something that a lot of people kind of just like roll their eyes at or they don't take seriously, but it honestly can have such a profound effect on your nutrition behavior and your digestion and just your overall satiation from your meals or how full and satisfied you feel after you eat these meals. So again, just to recap what we've chatted about, three simple things that you can do to level up your nutrition, whether you're a beginner, intermediate, or advanced, are balancing your meals with protein, fats, carbs, and fiber, focusing on keeping a food log, noticing what makes you feel good and what makes you not feel so great, do more of the things that make you feel awesome, do less of the things that make you feel crappy, and sitting down and being present with your meals or experiencing and practicing meal hygiene, take in the smells, take in the taste of your meal, take some time to be grateful for your food and bring your body into this rest and digest mode before you eat. 
So again, I know that we often get pretty sciencey and that there's a lot of different information that's pretty advanced out there around nutrition, but something that I always say to my clients, and you'll probably hear me talk about this on social media, is that the foundations will take you very far until we have a solid foundation, until we've nailed in the basics, we don't need all of these advanced protocols and strategies. Almost every single one of our clients who start working with us go through what we call a foundation phase. And this is the first few weeks of their program where we set a solid foundation, regardless of what their goal is, regardless of what they've got going on, everybody needs this solid foundation, right? Like I could have a client come to me who's got hormone issues, digestive issues, emotional eating issues. And if I just start giving them all of this information of how to treat all of those different things, they're probably going to get overwhelmed. And if they don't even have a solid foundation of eating balanced meals, eating in a relaxed state, all of these other things aren't going to be as impactful and they're not going to work as well because we all need this solid foundation to work from. And these foundations or these guidelines that we've talked about today, they can go with you anywhere, right? You don't need a fancy app. You don't need to be fully 100% in control of your food. You can use these on vacation, at a restaurant. Like The foundations and the basics are seriously the bread and butter of everything that you're going to do in your nutrition and your health journey. So again, the three simple strategies to help you feel good and nail in your nutrition are balancing your meals, keeping a food log and noticing what works for you and what doesn't, and focusing on a meal hygiene and being present with your meals. I hope that you enjoyed today's podcast episode. Please let us know if you would like to see some more simple tips to help you feel your best. See you next time, wellness gang. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. This podcast provides general information and discussions about health and related subjects. The information and other content provided in this podcast or any linked materials are not intended and should not be construed as medical advice, nor is the information a substitute for professional medical expertise or treatment. If you or any other person has medical concern, you should consult with your healthcare provider and seek other professional medical treatment. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you may have heard on this podcast or any linked materials. If you think you may have a medical emergency, call your doctor or emergency services immediately. The opinions and views expressed on this podcast are of no relation to those of any academic, hospital, health practice, or other institution.